No pain, no gain. Pain is just weakness leaving the body. The aim of the wise is not to secure pleasure, but to avoid pain. Welcome to episode 16 of the Trail Runners Experience. On today's episode, we'll be doing something a little bit different. We'll be focusing on the question, what is pain? We're going to dig down deep into this question and investigate how pain affects trail runners and runners in general and perhaps change our understanding of what physical pain and injury actually are. To help me unpack this question, I've recruited the help of physiotherapist Steve Frasca. So sit back and enjoy the show. Okay, so here we are. I'm sitting with a, a physiotherapist by the name of Steve Frasca. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Steve, you're here to tell us a few things. We're going to talk a little bit about um, something that affects a lot of runners and not just um, well, it's something to do that, that I've experienced and that most runners experience at some point, and that is pain. And we're going to, just, we're going to dissect the topic of the question, what is pain? But before we get into it, um, can you maybe tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and your background and what your interest in trail running is? Yeah, so <coughs> you'll have to excuse my cold. Um, <clears throat> I uh, graduated from my Master's of Physio, so I did my Bachelor of Human Movement, which is Exercise Physiology. Um, yeah, I graduated from that in, I think, 2013 and have been working in private practice for the last four years uh, with a particular interest in sporting type injuries. So I've done some work with Port Adelaide Hockey Club and a few sports clubs, um, including our Melbourne's ice hockey team. Um, and uh, yeah, so basically when I first started working as a physio, it's a bit of a gym, gym junkie, used to love going to the gym, but then with the type of work that we do, couldn't really afford to be too sore. So I had to find another source of um, exercise and found that running was something I've always done in my life and yeah, got back into doing some running and just doing Mount Lofty, the trail from Waterfall Gully up there and uh, then right. went from there to Chambers Gully and sort of just now work my way around exploring the, exploring uh, the hills. Exploring the amazing trails that we have here in Adelaide. Yeah, yeah. sensational. So you've got a pretty um, varied background as a physio and so um, with your background as a like dealing with hockey teams, ice hockey, did yep. you say? And, um, and field hockey. And field hockey. Yeah, I imagine you'd see it's a pretty high-impact sport, isn't it? So you'd see a lot of injuries. <coughs> it yeah. is, I mean, it's probably very different in a lot of – or maybe not so different from trail running in terms of the injuries that you see. Mm. Um, what What is the, the biggest um, – sort of the main injuries you would see that you would treat – in the hockey realm yeah a lot of them were um, more so to do with overuse so the season just gone uh we just had a lot more people come in with you know, just hamstring soreness hamstring injuries and low back soreness as well just because of the, the heavy loads during the season yeah. um so no different to trail running really where as you're leading up to a competition you start to increase your exercise regime and then you have a little taper period but in the build-up it's all about learning how to manage that so yeah, a lot of yeah. overuse injuries in the lower limb and sort of pelvis back area. Yeah, right. Um, you, um, I guess you, as a physio, so you would probably, 
I'm, I'm going to play the part of the completely ignorant person. So I'll, I'm going to ask the dumb questions. I always used to ask the dumb questions in school because I figured the dumb questions are not necessarily dumb. They're just the questions that are, people are too, often too afraid to ask. So as a physio, what do you mainly treat? Like in terms of not just what types of injuries, but um, what part of the body are you treating? That's probably the question I want to ask. Yeah. You know? So yeah. It's a very interesting question because um, when we treat, say someone's coming with an ankle sprain, um, obviously there's quite a lot of focus on the ankle and when we treat, we do treat the ankle. But a lot of what we treat is also the person because if the person actually feels like you've done, also you're helping them, they will actually feel a lot better. Um, so you sort of treat the pathology, but you also treat the psychology as well. Yeah, so okay. That'll definitely be something that we talk a bit more about Interesting. later on. Um, so it's funny you mentioned the psychology aspect. Um, I Down the track, I actually want to do another part to this What is Pain series, and I'm going to have a chat with a, a psychologist and, mm. and discuss that kind of pain and suffering that's very common in sport and in, um, and in particularly in trail and ultra running. But um, going back to pathology okay <coughs> once again here comes the dumb question well i won't call it a dumb question the uninformed i suppose so what is pathology what does pathology mean yeah well obviously as a human we are a mass of organic tissue so when we say organic we mean it's living so you know your blood supplies muscles it supplies ligaments it supplies nerves so mm. when we say have an injury say we um, you know, roll our ankle and we tear a ligament in our ankle, um, those ligament fibres need healing. So our body sends blood flow, sends all these nutrients to that area to then stimulate healing. So when we talk about pathology, we're essentially talking about the healing process and how it changes, not so much, um, yeah, not so much that what is, I suppose, pathology as such, but it's, it is just a... Yeah, it's a process of what happens. Okay, when, when no, that's happens. that's pretty good. I'm sure it, I've, it's a big question in a lot of ways to ask, and you've probably answered it really well, considering <laughs> you know it's probably something you've written essays on uh, when you were studying, and and I, I yeah, I don't want to oversimplify your mm. qualifications and your knowledge, but I think um, it is good to unpack these things. Um, Definitely, I'll just. Um, I've got my, I've got the, the Google machine in front of me here, <laughs> and I've just Googled the word pain, and what does it actually mean? Yep. And the first definition is, that comes up on the Google directory is, um, it's a highly unpleasant physical sensation <laughs> caused by illness or injury. Okay, and that's basically the one we want to look at so, um, today. There are right. other definitions. Um, the second definition is the mental suffering or distress, <laughs> which, you know, we would um, probably look at more when we speak to a psychologist. Um, but in this case, it sounds like you do a little bit of psychology along the way. And um, as you said, so um, we're not talking about the emotional pain that you might feel when, if your girlfriend breaks up with you. Um, or, and so that's what we, we write love songs for. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. But yeah, so we really want to unpack the whole definition of pain. Um, mm. I might start, I've got a little, a little bit of an anecdote a personal anecdote and it's not really running related um, but it's my experience of pain my um, physical pain and and maybe we can use that as a jumping off point to go into a bit a deeper discussion um, 
Yeah, so a few years ago, I had a really bad accident. So about, oh, it's probably going back on five years now, mm-hmm. I um, actually I fainted at home and I had, 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 had an allergic reaction and I fell over on the concrete at home and I, I actually broke my jaw quite badly when I fainted and because um, I hit the, I landed face first and um, I ended up spending, a, a, having to have a, a jaw reconstruction operation and it was um, hugely unpleasant and I, um, yeah, I ended up breaking my jaw in, uh, I think it was about 12 or 13 places, wow. like a proper, I did a proper. That's full on, mate. Yeah, I know. So actually, as, as you sit here right now, I've actually got about uh, 24 screws and plates all through my face, which this will be there for life, you know, but they don't hurt. But so I, um, I went through a period of, you know, extreme pain. Would I, you know, it was very uncomfortable also because there was a period where I, I had to have my mouth wired closed um closed and um so yeah and the pain that i felt there i know there's two types of pain when you start defining it you've got like acute pain and mm-hmm. chronic pain isn't that right yeah yeah and i don't know if you can maybe elaborate on, on absolutely so i i mean i think i had both but you know mm-hmm. and so obviously my pain was comes from a it was a, a, a fracture so obviously that's not really where you're dealing but just what uh, sorry i know i just I asked you a question and then I kept talking, which I try not to do anymore, but I'll just quickly elaborate. So the, the experience of the pain for me hmm. was, you know, obviously, you know, it was distressing. It, yeah. Like the definition says, I was in a lot of distress. Um, it was, I couldn't do my basic functions like eating. Um, and I, you know, it was very hard to, to cope with that. And yeah. um, obviously that's a much different, it's a, sort of the extreme end and but i think to some degree you probably get that with mm. your clients yeah um so yeah sorry just backtracking so acute pain versus chronic pain yeah i reckon before we answer that let's break down pain even further so let's talk about yep. what it actually is because you've got up those definition that a couple of definitions there yeah um a lot of which i don't 100 agree with um okay to start off with all of the information that I have gotten on what pain is has been taught to me through um, reading through a book called Explain Pain. So I really recommend people getting onto that if they're interested in it further. Is it a textbook? It's a textbook that you yep. can buy pretty much any bookshop. Um, Explain Pain. Explain and Pain. Can you, um, do you know the author's name? The author's, I think, are David Butler and Lorimer Mosley, but I can double check that for you and send yep. you a link. But um, basically... Cool. Um, yeah, and we got taught a pain science course at uni as well. So we've got a yep. sort of background knowledge of um, this, but obviously everything that we're learning as physios is always changing. So um, yeah, we sort of did more research and find out more and more about it. But what we say is pain isn't just one experience. It's a combination of things. So we yep. say it's a combination of, it's a biopsychosocial event. Bio. So, Psycho social yep. events. So bio, if I write it down, so yep. bio is talking about the biology. So talking about tissues. Um, so if we talk about your case, it's the jaw. Yep. Psycho, meaning psychology. So the the brain essentially. So yep. What happens to our sort of tissues up in our brain, and social meaning well, social. So that takes into context all the situations that are going on in your life. Yep. So basically, what that tells us is. Pain isn't just because of one thing or another. Yeah. What you may have experienced when you broke your jaw 
you sort of got those fluctuations where some days it actually felt okay, other days it felt pretty average, yeah, and some days it was just pretty constant. Right now, that can change on a daily basis. So, for example, if you're having a pretty bad day, you're feeling shitty, angry, annoyed. The psycho part of the biopsychosocial model is amplified, and that then changes your experience. It changes your output, and mm-hmm. it makes you feel that the pathology is worse. It makes you feel like your jaw's a lot more painful than it is yeah same as if you're feeling in a good mood you might actually feel like you're on top of the world maybe those drugs have kicked in you're feeling really happy all of a sudden (laughs) that pain starts to feel better yeah because you're feeling better um interesting and same with the social stuff if you see some friends some mates all of a sudden you're having a few laughs all of a sudden you start to feel better not because anything's changed in the biology but it's because of what's happened with the psychology oh psychology and the social so the psychology aspect and the I mean obviously that you hear a lot about self talk. Mm. So is this one of those things where you know positive self talk can really 100%. make a difference? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. If you can explain, if you can sort of calm yourself down when you're say experiencing a bout of acute pain, yeah, you will actually feel a reduction in your symptoms mm-hmm. um, without anything changing in your tissue. Essentially. Yeah. Okay. So. That's how I describe pain. And you'll also notice I said it's an event. So in our body, I said this um, last week when we caught up, we don't actually have any pain receptors in our body. We have all these nerves which take on information from chemoreceptors. So they take on chemical changes, uh, baroreceptors, which take on changes in pressure, um, thermoreceptors, which take on changes in temperature. All of those receptors send messages up to our brain. And our brain then makes... A judgment based on what that's telling you. I think that's so. a really key point. And I don't want to speed over it too quickly. So, mm. sorry, just to backtrack. You said there's so from from your understanding and from evidence, there's no actual pain receptors. Yep. Okay. So, so I think a lot of people will find that almost confronting to hear that. Definitely. And I'm I know because people have an experience of pain, and mm. I have I've had experiences of pain, as I'm sure you have had experiences of pain. So can I just go over those those things instead of pain receptors? We've got yeah. What are they so called we've again? Got, so we've got baroreceptors, Bar- which, which is the pressure. They take on pressure. Yep. yep. Uh, thermoreceptors, which take on temperature. Temperature. Uh, chemoreceptors, which take on chemical changes. Yep. Um, I think I said one more. That's okay. While you think <laughs> of it, so that's okay. I know we're doing it all on the fly, and that's cool. So well, let's. D- dig into each of those and if that's okay and how does that affect you because obviously it's probably a combination of the things Mm. that gives you that definition of pain yeah yeah so baroreceptors so what is what is that in terms of pressure Mm -hmm. what some examples so is that would be like if i I squeeze my finger yeah yeah absolutely if you squeeze your finger you're getting an increase in pressure in that area yeah so you're also getting thermal changes as well because you're pushing down you're creating a bit more thermal energy so you're getting those receptors that are starting to, those receptors, they, they switch on all the time. There's yep. not a time in the day where they're not on, but they'll pick up when there are changes. Yep. And that's when a little part of your brain is highlighted and saying something's going on in that finger. You then look down and you can see that you're putting, putting your, uh, your, your finger on there and there's an increase in the pressure. Your brain then makes sense of what's going on, deems that to be not threatening enough. Yep. So then it's like, okay, I understand that. Yeah, and then right. as soon as you let go, Everything sort of, those receptors are still sending with uh, messages up to the brain, but they're sending different, they're saying, okay, there's a change now and it feels better. It feels yeah. normal, it feels safe. Um, and like you said, it's, it's an experience. It's not an actual, it's not anything else other than that, really. So yeah. when we talk about pain, 
um, we talk about the experience of pain because yeah. it incorporates um, everything we talked about before as well as all the all those different um, different uh, receptors and I mean there's whole texts on if you wanted to go into yeah. details on them like all of the types yeah. of fibers and all the types of receptors and there are plenty more as well I mean we have um, stretch receptors in our tendons in our ligaments in our muscles so yeah. if I was to pull my finger backwards like that <laughs> I'm starting to elicit those fibers saying hey that's getting a big stretch and the same little sort of parts of my brain a different part because it's a different part of my finger yeah but still my brain is lining up to say hey there's it's an extra sensation coming from there. Okay. My stretch receptors are being stretched, meaning my tissue is being stretched. As a result of that, we'll get changes in pressure, we'll get changes in temperature, we'll get changes in chemicals released because all of a sudden we're stretching the tissue. Um, so the blood flow will start to change through that area as well. Yeah. And that all gets perceived up in our brain. You know, it all gets yeah. up here and then that sends signals. It's a two-way street, sends signals down. As a result of that, the longer I hold it there, the more yeah. intense the signals get. Yeah. Because it's becoming more uncomfortable. So yeah. that then stimulates me to want to move it. So I'll move it, all yeah. of a sudden it feels better. And right. It's settling down all those receptors up there. So can can these receptors become desensitized? Absolutely. That's, I, yeah. yeah. So they actually can become desensitized and they can also become... I guess that's um, a bad thing, isn't it, in a lot of ways? Yes and no. So they can become desensitized, but they can also mm. do the opposite and they can become sort of hypersensitized as well. Yeah. So um, if we talk about pain is our protector, yeah. pain is essentially just our body trying to protect itself. Yes. Because if I'm, say, stretching my finger back too far, yeah. I'm thinking subconsciously, oh, if I keep doing that, it's going to snap off. Yeah. Oh. And we don't want that. <laughs> no. So it's, it then makes me change how, what I'm doing to yeah. stop that. So basically... Um, Pain is there to stop you from doing things that it self-preservation. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, so what was the question you just asked? And I was going on um, um, about desensitization. Yeah. yeah. So basically, if I keep doing that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight to my brain that that area is being exposed a lot, and what your brain wants to try and do is it wants to stop that from happening. So instead of me being able to get my finger all the way back to actually start to stretch that. Yeah. It will go one of two ways. It can make it hypersensitive and say, well, I don't like that going all the way there. I want to stop you getting to that point because yep. I'm scared if you get past that point, it's going to actually do some damage. Yeah. So it's going to get, it will actually sensitize an area to when I get to there, it'll actually start to create oh. the same pulling sensation, even though I've still got a lot further to go before tissue damage um, will occur. Right. And okay. likewise, with a prolonged stimulus, sometimes it can actually have the opposite effect, where if we start to stretch the tissue, stretch the muscles, um, it'll actually go a lot further. Yeah. And then that, that's the desensitized part. Yeah. So depending on the context of what you're doing, it can yeah. go in one of two ways. So. Okay. Um, so that sort of makes me think, okay, let's change from the bending the finger back to a, a more a common running injury, say which happens a lot on trails, rolling your ankle, for mm. example, and an ankle sprains. Very common. Um, so let's sort of break that down in the same way that you just broke the other movement down. Yeah. Um, so from what I understand is, okay, let's just say I'm running down the trail, I step on a rock, I roll my ankle right over and feel sharp pain and, and mm. suddenly having to hobble, okay? So... Mm. What, what's going on there? I know yeah. it, it hurts. I've, I'm, I may have, in, let's say I've injured some ligament in my ankle, you know? Yeah. So 
Yeah. Let's talk about, I suppose, from the whole context of it. So we talked about how pain is this whole biopsychosocial thing. So we look yep. at rolling your ankle. You're in the middle of the race, right? Yep. Your focus is not on yourself at the moment. It's sort of on finishing the race, depending on your personality and depending on how, how bad you've been injured to be. Say yeah. it's a really and traumatic you, Obviously, you've got to be motivated. And if you, yeah, often motivation can override these things. Too. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, you hear so much. I think it was... Um, Matt Fife in the grand final a couple of years ago, they said he played with a broken uh, shin bone. Yeah. Um, and it was the same thing. He's able to. So he was so motivated, he literally like overrid yeah. what he was feeling. Amazing. So, yep. Going back to the ankle. So say you're quite a traumatic fall. You take a tumble, a couple of tumbles. You've got a few scratches everywhere. And you can just feel this really sharp pain in your ankle. Don't think you can go on. So there's obviously some biological tissue damage we say you might have yeah you might have torn say a ligament in front of your ankle really common when you roll what you'll also have done is stretched a few of the muscles that sort of go around the outside of the ankle yep um again really common the initial part of that's what we call that acute so you asked that question before that's an acute injury so it's yep. straight away and straight away we get a lot of a lot of things happening at the area so your body will pick up hey there's some tissues all those different damaged. receptors are going off yeah exactly mm takes it into context okay you've just rolled your ankle we want to protect that area so it elicits that painful response because mm. it's trying to protect that area so when you put weight on it your brain's thinking is putting weight on it going to damage that area yes or no not sure at this stage let's make it painful so you don't anyway don't want to risk it yep and then what will happen is your body will start this inflammation process so inflammation is good inflammation is the way that your body will actually heal itself because otherwise it doesn't it doesn't there's nothing to um there's nothing to stimulate that, that healing process because the healing process is as one thing happens, then the next, and then the next, and the next. If we miss out on one step, the whole cascade is backed up until that step happens. So inflammation is really important. Yep. So that's the sort of biology part of that acute issue. Okay. Then we look at the psychology. You might be really bummed out that you've just sort of you know, injured yeah. yourself. You can't finish a race you've been preparing for for six months. So all yeah, of a sudden, yeah. you're feeling pretty average. So that can then elicit that whole worsening of symptoms because you feel pretty average about what's just happened so that's in the early stages of it what a lot of people say is rest and ice and all of that will be um, good for the inflammatory control yep. um, which is what you learn when you do your first aid courses absolutely. and it's it's i guess it's it's common it's common mm. thinking but yeah you're gonna say a but aren't you i am so <laughs> i'm again there's very Interesting research doesn't say one or the other is good. So some people say resting and icing is the gold standard for it. Um, there's research that suggests that you know whether you ice or whether you doesn't, it generally just depends on what I suppose the person feels is beneficial. Because if I feel like I need to put ice on there, then I need to put ice on there. It's going to be something where if I don't feel, if I feel as though I've neglected something, mm -hmm. it actually it changes the, the psychology of what we think is going on. Yeah. And so we actually it does impair our rehab, not because whether the ice has helped or not. Again, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But it's more how we feel about it. And in the Explained Pain book, they discuss what they call dangers in me and safety in me. So just mm. to briefly run over that, safety is basically saying something that you know will help you yeah will help you it actually calms your nervous system down calms your brain down and we know if we can calm down the psychology part of uh experience mm. we can affect how it feels as an experience dangers in me means what do i think is going to hurt me so if i think yeah. i've just rolled my ankle all of a sudden i think of all of the other runners that i know who have rolled their ankle 
how their rehab went for so long, how they went on for six to nine months without any improvement, they couldn't run. All of those things start to become dangers in me because you're thinking, you're, you're yeah. feeling it's such a big threat. That negatively, that negative experience then makes your experience worse. Yeah. So, um, it's almost both those two things. Sorry to jump in, but like, yeah. I'm, I'm keep thinking of the placebo effect to mm. an extent. Like that is a real that actually works. That is a thing. If yeah. I said here's a magic pill that's going to make you better for today, mm. I mean, even if that pill does nothing, but if you believe it's going to do something. Absolutely it'll, right. It'll, it'll be an improvement, won't it? Yeah. yeah, and it's funny because now they're also talking about something called a nocebo effect, which is yeah. the opposite effect. It's um, me telling you something and making a harmful effect. So it would be like me saying to you, who's got you know your 100K run in a month, yeah. say you rolled your ankle, say, sorry, mate, you, you're out for the rest of the month. You're not going to be able to do any training whatsoever. There's nothing you can do about it. That would then make you feel like your ankle is 10 times worse, not because anything's changed in your ankle. It'd be terrible if you said that to me. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why you have to be really careful with what you tell people when they have an injury. Yeah. You don't want to say anything too negative. You want to tell them some of the facts. If something is going to do more damage, you need to address that. But you also need to understand that um, there's so much more to pathology or tissue biology yeah. that affects our painful experience. Yeah. So... So, yeah. going back to the rolled ankle thing, so yeah. you then have that acute phase where you might rest it, you might put some ice on it, um, you just want to make sure that um, you're safe, essentially, and then yeah. that's where you say get it checked out from a physio or a doctor, maybe wait a couple of days if it's a really bad sprain, because um, x-rays don't necessarily show up a fracture within the first couple of days, so generally if there's a lot of swelling, a lot of um, yeah, swelling in the area, and with the acute nature... But wait a couple of days, and if you still can't put weight on it, then go get an X-ray. But that's where you want to make sure that there's no big damage, nothing you know, overly bad is happening. Yeah. And if there is, you want to make sure that what you can do, what you can't do. So, um, again, that's where knowing what's happening is really powerful because I've followed, I've, I've rolled my ankle, and I understand that you know there might be some sort of strained ligaments. I might have completely torn it. Doesn't matter. It's sore in that area because my brain is protecting that area. Yep. So if I then know, hey, that's sore because my brain is protecting it, every time I then move on it, I'm aware that pain does not equal damage. Pain doesn't mean that my ligaments are getting more torn. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not, but yeah. a lot of people misinterpret that if their symptoms are getting worse, their tissues are getting worse. And we know through research that that's definitely not the case. So That's fascinating. Mm, yeah. So we talked about pain being our protective mechanism. If I think my subconscious mind thinks I'm doing too much or it's not healing how it should, it's going to make that area worse to make me then stop what I'm doing. Because if I stop what I'm doing, my body can then do what I need to, to heal. If I understand that, I can then go do something else, maybe on the bike, so I can still keep my conditioning. Yeah. But... I'm not putting as much load through there, so my body's still healing, I'm still feeling good, I'm still doing things, yep. and I'm not getting too concerned if things are still sore, because I understand, hey, this is what's happening. So what they've shown is generally, depending on the severity of things, your body will take 6 to 12 weeks to fully heal any sort of tissue damage. Again, that does depend on the situation, but generally that's the scope. But they will say people's pain experience can last for a lot longer than that, yeah. and that's what we call chronic pain that lasts more than about either six weeks or six months. There's a big difference there. 
I'm fairly certain yeah. it's six months, but um, okay. yeah, they're basically saying if it lasts for longer than that, it's no longer tissue driven. So right. we talk about the whole experience being tissues and our psychology and our social events. In that sort of time period, your body will have fixed any sort of pathology, right? Yeah. Now, if so I'm even wrong, if it, like a full on tear, yep. like yeah, yeah. So if we have yeah. a complete rupture, that'll probably be around the twelve week mark for it to actually either, if it is going to sort of rejoin, which they can, um, it'll be around that time frame. If it's not going to rejoin, it's not the end of the world because other compensatory mechanisms have started to get into place. But what we're thinking of is. Our brain, is it still trying to protect that area or is it not? Because for people who have lasted longer than six months and still have the same pain, generally speaking, they say the pain is no longer in the tissues, but it's uh, in our subconscious. It's driven up through there because our brain still thinks that there's an issue that needs protecting. Amazing. So it's one of those things where if you understand what's happening and you can still do things, then you're actually going to be safer and you're going to feel better doing things. Now, obviously that depends on everything that's going on in your life. So um, if it's just an ankle sprain, if you break your leg, that's again, a different thing. And that you, you know, would need to say, well, I need to give that time frame something to heal. Yeah. But um, I've got a little diagram which I can explain to you. It's called the Twin Peaks diagram. Yes. I've recently come across this because I absolutely love it. I think it's so good. And being a trail runner, talking about mountain peaks, Perfect. works in nice. Twin Peaks. Twin I remember peaks. The t- did you ever see the TV show Twin Peaks? No. Oh, you're too young. <laughs> in the 90s, very, very, very weird um, TV show. There was, um, oh, what's the name of that director? It's like a ba- the whole thing is like a bad dream. It's great. Ah. Yeah. It, need to get onto that. Yeah. <laughs> Google it. Well, basically, I've, re- I've drawn, and I've gi- I'll give you a copy of the photos that we've I can done. put them up on Facebook if it's, if you're, if it's fascinating. Like, if it's, if it's I think, while. yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, who knows? If, yeah, probably get in trouble. But anyway, we'll, we'll try our best to explain it, yeah? So yeah. we've got two little peaks. So we've got two big triangles, which are our peaks. So towards the pointy end of the triangles, I've just drawn a line. Yep. And that's the line where we say tissue damage has occurred. Yep. Now, we talked a bit about how pain acts as a protector. So when we have any sort of injury, We'll get to this point here, and that will be where our pain is elicited. So okay. going so, up, about halfway up the peak, yeah? Yeah, so we've got our pain, where t- or sorry, our tissue damage, which is happening at the top, and then this line is about, yeah, about two-thirds of the way up. Okay. In between that is what we call our buffer zone. So we've got pain being elicited here, and then that's where damages are going to occur. So if our pain is being elicited here, that's our brain saying, if you push further than that, Yep, you're going to go go up the damage. peak higher. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. okay. So then, what happens is, after an injury, so we're getting to that chronic pain mm. thing. Our tissue tolerance stays the same. Now, if it's something like a bone fracture, that will take six weeks to remodel. Mm-hmm. Bones can actually become stronger than when they were pre-injured. So I've heard that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But what will happen is, so it's the, our tissue tolerance to damage or where the damage line is stays the same on the second peak. But what happens is that buffer zone becomes bigger. Because we become more sensitized and we get worried that ah, we're looking to try and protect it. So the the pain, um, what do you sort of call that bit? The pain. Um, so we'll say that's the, the that's the tissue damage. Tissue damage line. on the second peak is hot is right near the top again. Yeah, same and, spot. But the threshold. So we'll just say that where your pain, pain is elicited, where yep. your, your pain experience starts, is a lot lower. It's way down near the bottom on the second peak. So you're so, going to yeah. experience pain a lot sooner. Mm. But exactly the damage, yeah, okay, and a much bigger buffer zone. So there's a much bigger buffer zone. That's just because 
like you mentioned before, our body is all about self-preservation. It's mm. all about trying to protect that area that's been damaged previously. Yeah. Now, it thinks if I can make that pain experience happen earlier, then I'm going to protect it more. Yeah. So we know that for a fact that I could still bend my finger. Like I said before, I can bend my finger back further, but now instead of going all the way back before it's stretched, it'll go about halfway. Same with my ankle. You know, if I've rolled my ankle and say I try and do a calf raise. Yeah. And before my ankle sprain, that was fine. But then I go do a calf raise now and it's sore. That's because, not because I'm actually going to be putting more strain through that ligament, not because I'm making the ligament stretch and it's going to tear more. But it's because my body doesn't want me to do that because it doesn't mm. feel safe doing that. And it's because it often, yeah, it has a, a memory, like a, mm. is it a, a psychological yeah. memory? Yeah. So exactly to, and, right. And so, yeah, I remember when I did this, it, it hurt last time. Mm. So I don't want to do that again. Exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, how does, how does like taking pain relief, I mean, mm. this is probably a whole other conversation <laughs> almost. How does that impact this Twin Peaks sort of um, philosophy. Yeah. So I suppose if we go back to what I said earlier, just about how we can upregulate and deregulate our sensitivity. Yeah. Things. So by upregulating something, so say I'm in a bad mood, if I've got my, um, say I've got my little stick figure here, I've got a sore ankle. There. Yep. All of a sudden, I've got all this information coming from my ankle up to my brain, saying that's all, that's all, that's changing, that's changing, that's changing. My brain then thinks, all right, that's sore. Okay, we've got to then stop that from happening. Yes. And it then sort of stops you from doing things. By us taking pain relief, it actually dampens the signals that are coming from our ankle, up our nervous system, up to our brain. Right. So rather than saying, uh, we talk about, you know, we're getting a magnitude of input. So our um, you know, receptors from our ankle joint and our tendons they're all saying, okay, last time we got to this point in our calf raise, it was sore. That then gets picked up in our brain. The muscle or the signal then gets decreased. So then your brain doesn't think it's that important because there's less signal coming from that area. So then it thinks, okay, well, you can do that. And that's actually a perfect example of how if something was structurally wrong, say mm -hmm. there was... Um, something where you couldn't do a calf raise because yeah, because it was painful. You give someone pain relief and they can do it. But you can sort of suggest, well, it's not actually coming from the tissue then. Because yeah. the tissue's not doing anything. It's coming from up in your brain and your nervous system's trying to protect that area. Very interesting. So, so yeah. Ah. So it's one of those things where is it good or bad to take pain relief? Who really is the judge? I would say because it's a experience if you're someone who just is just in such a bad mood all the time because of it and it's affecting yeah. how you're doing things on a daily level, yeah, I'd say go for it. Like take it because we still want you to keep doing stuff. Yeah. If you're someone though who is going to take that and then afterwards will say, um, you know, or actually doesn't even need to take that, can understand what we've just gone through. Say I sit down with you and say, look, you know, your ankle is just being stretched, your brain's trying to protect that area. Um, if you just did a few of these exercises, get more confidence in going through those ranges and understand that if you get a you know, experience of pain, it's not actually because the tissue is getting worse. You might actually find that your body will desensitize itself anyway because yeah. it's actually understanding it. Yeah. We're addressing this psychology, psychological component of our pain. So our pain experience is less. So it yeah. actually works as our own pain reliever. And 
in our course in pain sciences back at uni, we went through um, this sort of concept of our brain having access to our, um, I think it's our endocrine system, which is all about chemicals. Um, and we actually have more powerful endorphins that have a greater effect on pain relief within ourselves than anything that paracetamol or ibuprofen um, can, af- can have on you. Really? So, yeah. And they said the best way to actually incorporate that is to understand what's happening, understand what's going on, um, and that can then elicit that, yeah, that response. Yeah. So. That's uh, so good. So interesting. Um, uh, just one more aspect I wanted to touch on. Mm. So, I mean, that's my understanding of pain is really... Uh, in this conversation has already improved dramatically. And I mean, I know it doesn't mean, I guess you're not advocating people to go out and and not get things treated. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so definitely it's not. important, isn't it, to get things treated properly. And um, I, I'm not going to go and now go and stick my hand <laughs> um, on a boil, in the boiling hot oven. Um, Please don't. <laughs> yeah, I know. But if I just tell myself that it, it's okay, but obviously, so obviously that those pain receptors are there, as you said, mm. to protect you in mm. some ways. Yeah. Well, you go on that. Mm. Like, if you put your hand near a frying pan that's hot, or like you said, in an oven, you're getting that sensation because all of your receptors in your hand are picking up a massive change in the environment. Mm. And because of that change, your brain thinks, "Is that threatening or not?" Well, yeah. it knows if it gets too hot, damage will happen. Yeah. So it gets you to take that out. So you're actually getting to this point here. Yeah. You can keep it in there for a little bit. Yeah. And that's that time where you need to take it out. Because if you don't... Before any damage actually occurs. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing with third degree burns versus second degree burns. Second degree burns, you still have all your nerve fibers which are switching on. And they're telling you like, you know, this is painful, this is painful. Um, whereas people with third degree burns, third degree goes to down the layer of the skin where it actually affects the nerves. Yep. So it sort of fries the nerves. So you have no signal coming from those spots. Oh, wow. So that's where they say if something is you know, quite bad, yeah. you know, or people who you have third degree burn yeah. don't feel it, Yeah, that's bad because yeah. all of a sudden you have no input. Nothing's telling your body, oh, actually, no, that's hot, that's cold, that's yeah. hot, that's cold. Uh-huh. And one of the things that we find as well for people with chronic pain, their symptoms are upregulated all the time because their body's just gone into a hyper-protected mode. Yeah. One of the things they tell people to check if they have pain for a long time, what we call hot cold sensitivity. So for someone that's had their pain for a long time, their nerves are a lot more upregulated. They will feel a lot more sensitive to mm. cold touch than to warm touch. So it's one of those oh. things where something that's cold can actually be deemed as painful. Even though you and I both know, if I was to get a test tube of cold water and put it on your shin, it shouldn't be painful. Yeah. But some people will have that painful response. Yeah. That's just because your brain is so hypersensitive in that area all of a sudden it lights up all the nerves saying, oh my God, something's happening. Or if, if you told me that it was boiling hot water, mm. my brain would probably perceive it that way. Yeah. I've done that before. Um, after making a cup of tea, putting a hot teaspoon on, on someone's arm as a joke, it's very mean, and, but like, <coughs> it suddenly seems to hurt so much more mm. than, than it actually does. You Definitely. know what I mean? Like, it's just because it's like you're just not really prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Fascinating. So one more thing I want to touch on before we wrap it up. Um, it's been very informative. So this might take you a couple of minutes to explain. So we've got the sore ankle. We've in our brain we've um, we've come to terms with the um, this buffer zone between the pain and damage. Uh, we try to run through it, and what often I see happen is people are limping. 
Yeah. It changed their gait. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can lead to other problems. Yeah. So what's so what do we do? Like, what's the story? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like you mentioned, your body will compensate. It'll find a way yeah. to take load off that area. So that's why we see someone limping because they're trying to protect that spot. Um, best thing to do would be to address those things. So, for example, for someone with a sore ankle, they're probably not going to get their leg back when they're walking. They might not push off because they're trying to protect that spot. So then they'll start to use their hips more as they're bringing their leg through. So they'll probably find they'll get really tight through the hips, hip flexors and glutes because they're foot's not doing as much mm-hmm. the best thing would be to say get somebody to look at what's going on because everyone will have something slightly different obviously we have to take into consideration the individuality of people so your biomechanics naturally will be different to mine so mm. you might limp a different way you might walk a different way and that could be completely normal for you could be completely irrespective of your ankle sprain um best thing i would say is to either have someone look at it or get more confidence in what's going on so for example ankle sprain one of the first things we get people to do in ankle sprains, it's actually balance. So you do your balance exercises. What you're doing is you're reconfiguring the mind and body connection. So when you're, say, standing on one foot, your leg will probably go side to side more than it will go forwards and backwards. But that's actually going to then stimulate those receptors around our ankle. We call them proprioceptors. So that's just yeah. your awareness of your body. Yep. So it improves your proprioception. So then you're actually, your balance will start to improve as you continue on. If your balance improves, gives your brain more confidence in that area. If your brain becomes more confident, it's going to become um, less protective, less protective of it. Again, with the strengthening exercises, we want to try and strengthen the tissues around the around the ankle, but we also want to look higher up the chain because we want to make sure that what's happening in the compensation doesn't become a, a ongoing pattern. Yeah. So if I make my ankle strong within a say three to four weeks. Those adaptive strategies that you've incorporated should go away. Yeah. You should get back to your normal running style. Um, if you don't feel like they are, though, definitely get someone to have a look at, say, your running style or your walking style. Because it could be as simple as doing a few extra stretches or doing a few extra muscle sequencing exercises. So when I say sequencing, we want one muscle to switch on before another one and before another one. So if we can get that strengthening happening, so not so much strengthen the tissues, but strengthen coordination of tissues firing, then that's going to be a lot better um, long-term. Yeah, absolutely excellent. Um, thank you so much, Steve. That's so, um, I think that's fairly comprehensive in terms of we've, we've dug in pretty deep to what pain is. Mm. And um, I, I think hopefully people got something out of that. Some people might go, I don't care what they say, it still bloody hurts. Yeah. You know? And that can happen. And you know, look, but I, I just, I think if, what you've talked about, I think, is definitely worth a listen, even a second listen. Well, mm. like really, I think, unpacking that. And just to, um, again, the book that you recommended earlier, what was it? I'll just uh, say it one Explain more Pain. Explain Pain. Mm. It sounds like a really good book. Um, I'm going to have a, I'm going to see if I can find it. And, and um, because I'm always trying to learn, and this whole trail running journey, I mean, I've been doing, I've been running for 30 odd years, and, um, I'm always learning. So, and so I guess that's the whole point of this podcast is to, to learn and share information. Absolutely. And um, so, yeah, I, but I really appreciate your time. And um, I will add a, um, maybe some information where people can find you. Yeah, um, and okay. so if they, later on, and because you are a, a, a working physiotherapist and you, 
clearly know a lot and you've got uh, sympathy for for trail runners and you're a trail runner yourself. So uh, really good, good information. So thank you so much, Steve. Pleasure, David. Thanks for having me. All right. I'll see you again, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hope you enjoyed this episode of the trail runners experience and were able to increase your understanding of pain and injury steve is a very knowledgeable physiotherapist who specializes in sport specific injury and rehabilitation injury prevention and sport specific exercise if you live in adelaide or in the surrounding area and need a physiotherapist why don't you email steve his email address is steve frasca at physio s mx.co i'll drop that down in the description and don't forget to subscribe and share the trail runners experience uh, podcast with all of your friends and just one more note from now on all new episodes will be released on wednesdays see you next time and happy running